You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Being mindful means to be present in the moment, to connect with what's happening in a way that tunes out all the background chatter in your head. Sounds blissful. (laughs) But as a parent, that can be a challenging thing to do. Think about the end of a day when the kids have been fighting, you have no food for dinner in the fridge, and your partner has just phoned to say they won't be home until after bedtime. Quite possibly, at that moment, you'd rather be somewhere else. My next guest says that mindfulness can help us all deal with those kinds of situations better and, in the process, become calmer, and more compassionate. Dr. Diana Korova is a perinatal psychiatrist and author of Mindfulness for Mums and Dads. Hi, Diana. How are you? Hi. Very well. Thank you. Now, you're a practicing perinatal psychiatrist. I am. Who do you treat in your pra- practice? Because your book has really great um, case studies in every chapter. And I would have thought, as a perinatal psychiatrist, you were just treating mums. Yes. Um, Well, in fact, most of the referrals that come through to me are, in fact, pregnant women or women who are not managing with young children. But the reality is that this sort of work really needs to have a family focus. So in most cases, I meet partners. Sometimes I focus and do a little bit of work with partners as well because, you know, everybody learning a little bit about the emotions involved with parenting and how to interpret children, the more people we have in the family who are actually sort of aware of this, then the more, um, you know, the more easy it will be. I mean, this is a hard question to answer, and I'm a parent as well. So um, what do you find the biggest challenges are for new parents? Battling with tiredness. And um, tiredness actually does really affect how the brain works. And the other thing would be just the surplus of knowledge we have, you know, When my children were young, quite a while ago now, it just wasn't possible to surf on the internet and find out, you know, the myriad of causes about a child not sleeping. And, you know, what that does, um, obviously it can be helpful, but it, it sort of puts us out of touch with our own child and what's actually going on at this moment. So it gets us really busy in the head and then emotionally disconnected when we really need to be just very present. You're listening to Kindling Conversation and I'm speaking with Dr. Diana Korova, who's a perinatal psychiatrist and author of a new book called Mindfulness for Mums and Dads. So Diana, mindfulness is around a lot at the moment and some people might hear the term and think they need to be like a Buddhist monk Mm -hmm. in order to practice it. What would you say to that kind of approach? Um. Look, it doesn't surprise me, um, and and it it is a shame, and I suppose that's what I've tried to do with this book. I think um, whether it's meditation or whether it's sort of the more broad concept of mindfulness, um, if we're not actually understanding how to integrate that into our every moment of the day, really, then um, there's probably not much point. Meditation is, you know, a bit like going to a personal trainer, basically. It's having the courage to really just spend some time turning your attention inward and learning to ride the waves of strong thoughts or body discomfort. But really, there are ways in which you can develop these skills just in everyday life. And that was what I tried to um, explain to people, you know, encouraging them to give it a go because it works. And some people find the concept of 
being present, of turning off those distracting mm. thoughts, quite frightening. Is there ever a time when mindfulness practice, as in being present and conscious and really in the moment, or even meditation isn't appropriate for some people? Yes. Yeah, it's a very, very good question. And in fact, there is a um, Professor Willoughby Britton who's done some great work on meditation, mindfulness, emotion, who's actually doing some research into this. Um, but look, essentially, when the stress response is turned on strongly, um, it really disconnects the brain from what we call frontal lobe functions. That's the capacity of the brain to sort of get perspective, to be balanced, to have insight, to be skillful. Now, there are times when either due to illness like anxiety or depression or really lack of sleep, when daring to look inward and be aware of what thoughts what's going on in our thoughts which you know for young parents are often quite self-critical that's another real feature of our society unfortunately Um, so you know then we have to think about mindfulness being useful with regard to sort of how we can look after our body some exercise learning how to rest many people actually don't know how to rest many people even struggle and have to distract themselves trying to get off to sleep at night you know it sounds a bit crazy but that's sort of where we're at in this society so some very basic things can actually help us a lot So there are different ways to practice mindfulness. You mentioned this before, and in your book, each chapter goes through different things and very bite-sized pieces, I found anyway, very easy to read just before you go to bed. Um, Just so people can understand ways of connecting with the present moment, are you able to give us a few examples of how you can connect into where you are at right at this point? I mean, we've got to try and get a bit of distance from our thoughts. That's probably the most important thing, being able to observe what's going on in the mind and not really over-identify or feel as if our thoughts are complete reality. So learning how to sort of, if you like, change gear, drop our attention into body sensations. So perhaps standing in a supermarket queue that is longer than you had expected and knowing that you're running late. You might just learn how to change the pattern of your breathing. Um, A lot of people know this from yoga or from being treated for stress, but slowing down and deepening the breath, which is very hard to do if you're in the midst of a crisis, but finding ways, times, times when you're bored, times when you're driving and you're reactive on the road, to just adjust the posture to one where that you would be familiar with if you were relaxing. And the more times that we can do that during the day, dropping out of the head and the flow of thoughts, we start to get quite nimble at it and quite confident with it. Um, The other thing is to start um, tuning into the present moment. So even choosing a sense, whether it's sight, whether it's sound. So let's imagine that you're going for a walk and instead of answering a text message, you're going to decide to actually just quieten things down and pay attention to sound. And what you might do is just pay attention to a certain sound and watch it rise just because you're trying to build attention and concentration that's another important part instead of multitasking and the brain will just you know jump from one thing to another we're trying to actually stabilize it so you might listen to birds you might listen to vehicles coming and going 
And is there anything in um, the repetition? Is there something that's happening in our brain if we continue to do this? Because when you're talking about being in a supermarket line and it's too long, I know that there have been times, particularly since I've had kids, where I have tried mindfulness in those situations. And there's almost like a a calmness of a, a recognition once I start breathing that, oh, this is going to work. It's okay. Like I can mm. breathe into this. And mm. it's almost like it tri- triggers an emotional response. Mm. Is there something happening in my brain in that moment? Yes. That has to do with practice, I guess. It does. It does. And, um, you know, the brain we know now is constantly um, reshaping itself, the wiring process co- called neuroplasticity is constantly being shaped. So when we start to actually recognise through practice that no matter what's going on, no matter how uncomfortable we might feel, if we just slow things down and actually connect to that present moment and perhaps connect to body sensations or breath, it's actually not likely to make it worse. We start to actually feel things are slowing down. So whether we've got a crying toddler in the supermarket trolley or someone, you know, angry behind us, actually being present to that is almost always easier than being caught up in our head in a mad rush of reactivity. You're listening to Kindling Conversation. We're talking about a new book called Mindfulness for Mums and Dads. And Dr. Diana Coravar is the author of that book. She's a perinatal psychiatrist. And we've just been talking about ways that you can connect to mindfulness in the moment and um, not going to give too much away because the book gives plenty of examples of how we can manage that as parents. Diana, I know the experience of many partnerships is that one person might find something really helpful Mm. and then think, hmm, you could do with a bit of this in your life when they look at their partner. Is there a way that you can help your other half embrace mindfulness? Look, I think that the changes that can happen as a result of mindfulness, you know, such as, you know, at a tense time, recognizing that actually what is needed is just a pause and an opportunity to really engage, make eye contact and listen. These are felt experiences. These are going to change things anyway. Um, I think we've got to be careful that we don't try and force mindfulness down anyone's throat. Like you really need mindfulness today. (laughs) But by the same token... I think I have said that. (laughs) Being able to actually reflect and say, look, this is what I'm doing at a time when your partner's going to listen and might be interested. But really, at the end of the day, if that person doesn't want to actually engage in that, then that's not necessarily any big deal. We, we are actually always changing each other's brains. That we know from science. And we are changing relationships. So, you know, even when I get parents, you know, perhaps I'm working with a mother or father and they're really concerned about how the relationship's going, really big changes can happen when we learn to be different in relationships. So let's say they are on board. Yep. Can couples be mindful together and If they are, what would that look like? It would probably, um, there would be a felt sense that conversations were deeper, that there was a sense of the other partner not just problem solving all the time, a sense that emotions are okay, they're neither right nor wrong, they just are, 
and probably a greater sense of just a much deeper understanding of each other and an ability to sort of review, go over at a better time some disconnect, something that actually was really unpleasant. So there's a greater sense of confidence. Yeah, maybe on Saturday when we're both a little more rested, I think I can I can talk about this so that the whole principle of actually active listening and what I'd like to say, you know, courageous conversations, being able to sort of talk about things without blaming, just in the spirit of growth, really. And one of the interests around mindfulness in particular, I think, is parents wanting to teach their children because it can help with them in terms of emotion coaching, all that kind of stuff. But do you think we need to understand it a bit more as parents before we try to teach our kids or get someone yeah. else to teach our kids? Yeah, I, I think that's crucial. I think it's crucial. And I think that the more we can model for our children, so, you know, again, perhaps on a day where we've been busy and we've ended up yelling or telling people what they should be doing, that we can come back later and perhaps reflect on what it's like to have a busy mind, what it's like to feel angry, um, and then start to look at parts of the routine, like the going-to-bed routine or the getting-ready-for-school routine. And again, we want to encourage our children, assuming they're old enough, to be able to sort of develop an awareness that that thoughts can be tricky, thoughts can be unpleasant, thoughts can be noisy, heads can be noisy. So we're really starting to educate them a little bit so that they can manage strong emotions of their own. But really, if we're not modelling that, um, it, it can really be problematic, actually. Diana, I love your book. I highly recommend it to all parents who are interested in mindfulness. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's Dr. Diana Korova, a perinatal psychiatrist and author of Mindfulness for Mums and Dads. And you will find that book out now in all good bookstores. We'll also pop a link up to it on our website. Just head to kindling.com.au. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible, and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.